0: Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday Evening Podcast. Today, Pastor Mitch Rose begins a new two part series. In tonight's sermon entitled The Thrill of Hope, we will dive into the second chapter of the Book of Luke. And now, with tonight's message, here's Pastor Mitch Rose. Leading into Christmas, I wanted to talk about a little Christmas stuff. If you have your Bibles, Luke, the second chapter, is kind of where we'll hang out for just a couple of moments. So let me ask you a quick question. Don't raise your hand or answer out loud and ruin it for everybody else. Where, who was, not where was, who was, these are my cough drops. Who was the first people to hear that Jesus had been born? Do you know the answer to this question? Who was who the first people? Who were the people who had the remarkable privilege of being the very first to hear the announcement that Jesus the Messiah, the promised one of Israel, had been born. Let me tell you who it wasn't. It wasn't an emperor. It wasn't a member of the royal family. It wasn't priests. If I was God, I'd probably go to preachers first, because I think that makes sense, right? He didn't go to preachers or priests first. He didn't go to prophets. You know, on that day, there, were, there was only one preacher kind of for the whole nation. If you didn't like his church, you just didn't go to church. You know what I mean? You couldn't find some other prophet in town. There's only one preacher in the whole country and you had to go to his church and um, so God didn't show up to the prophet first and, and he didn't show up to theologians he didn't show up to scholars let me tell you what he did the first people to receive an invitation to come meet Jesus who had just been born the very first people to hear this announcement that honor was reserved for the most unlikely group of people that honor was reserved for a group of people who were outcast in their society. Now listen, these people were not just commoners. I know you're thinking, well, maybe he just showed up to common kind of people and people kind of like you and me. That's not true. The people that I'm telling you that, Jesus, uh, that God showed up to, that the angel of the Lord spoke to and said, hey, Jesus is born. That group of people were outcast. They were on the outside looking in. They were not insiders by any means. They, they stank. You hear me? They were people who couldn't get close to the temple. You know why? Because these particular people could not participate in all the ceremonial law. They could participate in the hand washing, the, the, the intricate ceremonial hand washing that had to be done to be able to get to the temple and to be able to worship God uh, with, with everybody else sort of in their nation. They, these were people who were absolutely outside of society. They, they were living in the fields, and let me just tell you, if I was picking somebody to tell that Jesus had just been born, I would not have picked these people. And I think it's so important that God picked this. I do not think He does anything by accident. Say amen. amen. When you tuck your kids in tonight, you remember that, okay? <laughs> he doesn't do anything by accident. When you kiss your spouse tonight, you remember that. Nothing's done by accident. And so God showed up to these people on purpose. This was His plan, and those people were shepherds. Everybody say shepherds. Shepherds Shepherds were not liked by the Orthodox religious group in their day. They were outcasts. They were shunned. And yet the shepherds were the first people to know that Jesus had been born. Shepherds. Stinking. Filthy living outside in animal filth and on the ground and fur and poop and whatever else sheep do, shepherds. That's who God chose to invite to Jesus first. I think this is so remarkable. Let's grab the story, turn in your Bibles to Luke, the second chapter. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, you can follow along on the screen with me. Luke 2 and verse 8 Reads like this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields. Notice that. I want you to underline that in your Bible. They were not shepherds who had just visited the fields. They were not shepherds who clocked into work and said, while I'm at work, I've got to be in the fields, and at night, I'm going to go home and get a shower, and I'm going to sleep in my bed. No, no, no. These were people who lived in the fields with their sheep. "...nearby, and they were keeping watch over their flocks by night." And so verse 9 says, "...an angel of the Lord." Underline that. Every time you see that in your Bible, it is most likely that it was God Himself showing up to them. Oftentimes when you hear the phrase, "...the angel of the Lord," it was a theophany or theological word for just God Himself coming to talk and show up to them. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. "...and the glory of the Lord shone round about them." And they were terrified. I bet they were. I would be. Verse 10, "...the angel said to them, "...don't be afraid." I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Everybody say great joy. joy. If you ever grew up in a church, let me just give you a side note here. If you ever grew up in a religious experience or you ever visit one outside of this church, I don't know why you'd do that. But if you do, by accident, show up somewhere else at a church on Sunday and there's not great joy, you're not in the right place. You're not in the right place. Because when we get to this house, outside of this house, there's hell on earth. But in this house, there's good news about great joy. There's great joy in the news that I'm bringing you. So the angels tell the shepherd, listen, I've got some news for you. Now listen. This has got to be a big deal for them. I love this. If I were the shepherds, the first thing through my mind would first be, Oh my Lord, I just saw an angel or God spoke to me. The second thing would be the last thing that the angel said. He said, I have good news of great joy for all people. Now you're talking to people who were on the outside of society who were outcasts from everybody else, who couldn't participate, who couldn't serve God like everybody else served God. You're talking about people who, who couldn't go to the temple like everybody else went to the temple. You're talking to men who weren't allowed to participate in temple worship like everybody else could participate in temple worship. You're talking to men who were used to being the other kind of guys. It was everybody else and then it was them. And the angel said, I've got good news of great joy for everybody. For everybody, for everybody. I've got good news for you tonight. This is for everybody. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to come from the right tribe. You don't have to be the right color. You don't have to have the right family. You didn't have to come from my side of the tracks. You didn't have to be raised in church. You don't have to have parents that kept stayed together Your daddy could have been an alcoholic and your mama could have walked the streets. And this is still good news of great joy for everybody, 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 everybody. Touch two or three people around you and say, that means you. That means you. Everybody. Some of you don't even like touching people. You didn't touch a soul. That means you. (laughs) All of you non-touching people, that means you. He came for you. Listen to me. Look at me. The enemy will tell you in the holiday season, you can't be happy. Your family can't ever get it together. Your marriage is never going to be right. It's never going to be okay. Next year is never going to be different than last year. I've got good news of great joy, and it's for you. It's for everybody in the room. Say amen to that. He said, I've got good news for everybody. Isaiah had already prophesied that this would happen. Isaiah 40, if you're new to the Bible, don't go there. It takes too long to find it. Look on the screen. Isaiah 40 and 9 says, he says this, you who bring good news to Zion. Everybody say good news. news. Let me remind you, if you go to a church that's sad about it, it's not the right place. This is good news. Isaiah said, you're going to bring good news to Zion And when you do, I want you to go up to a high mountain and bring good news to Jerusalem and lift up your voice with a shout and lift it up and don't be afraid and say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. That's what Isaiah prophesied would happen. And you know what happened that night? Just what Isaiah said would happen. The angels of the Lord showed up and prophesied that your God has been born. It was good news. And Isaiah had been telling this, and so these shepherds and everybody, really in Israel, had lived for centuries and centuries and centuries, believing what the prophet Isaiah had said—that there would come a day when there would be somebody show up somewhere on a mountaintop, and he would tell us the good news that our God had come. They told their kids this. They told their grandbabies this. They would tell them every year, Messiah is coming. God's coming to get us. God's coming to rescue us. There's gonna be a way out of this. God is on His way. I don't know when He's coming. I don't know how He's coming, but He said He's coming. Let me pause and tell you I don't know when He's coming or how He's coming, but I know that I know there's gonna come a day when He stands on a very high mountain and He announces, Here is our God. He's coming. Isaiah said, I want you not to forget he's coming. And then he kept going. Isaiah 40 and 10, keep reading the next verse. He says this, the sovereign Lord, everybody say sovereign. sovereign. The sovereign Lord comes with power. Would you make some muscles for me right now, everybody in the room? Come on, flex what your mama gave you. <laughs> I don't even make no sense. What? Just do this. <laughs> Now this is the kind of stuff that Jews could get behind. When Messiah comes, Isaiah said he's sovereign and he's coming with power and he rules with a mighty arm. Now listen, if you're living under the oppression of a nation who's taken over your nation and who's taxing your people and who's killing your people and who's telling you you're never going to be free again, we're always going to occupy you, that kind of language is good language. That Messiah is coming, and when He comes, He's sovereign, and He's powerful, and He's coming with a mighty arm, and His reward is with Him, and then He's going to pay back and recompense every bad thing that's ever happened to you. He's sovereign. Isaiah said, when that God comes, he's going to be sovereign over everything. Sovereign Lord. Those two words come from two uh, Hebrew words, Adonai and Yahweh. Adonai just means master or Lord. It, It talks about his power and his greatness. But Yahweh is his name. And Yahweh means his personal presence is coming close to us. So when Isaiah said the sovereign Lord is coming, a Jew heard that he's powerful. And he's personal. That he can do anything and he wants to do it for me. That nothing's impossible with him and that he loves me enough to hear my concern. When they read Sovereign Lord, they said, that's the kind of God I want to follow. That's the kind of Messiah that I'm ready to come. Everybody got behind Sovereign Lord. I could believe that. Jews could believe that. I, I, I know it looks like it's not much, but He's the Sovereign Lord. I know it's in a manger and they're, and they're in a cave and there's animals everywhere and these are two young parents and it doesn't look like much right now. But in that little manger is the Sovereign Lord of the universe. The God with all power has come to us. The God who can do anything and has a mighty arm has come close to us. The God whose name is Yahweh that has come personal to us. He's, it may not look like much to you, but God has come to us and He's sovereign. And Isaiah said that's what it's going to be like and I'll be if one night the angels didn't tell the shepherds just what Isaiah said He would but Isaiah, he, he moves on. He, sort of, he, he paints this wonderful picture that Jews had gotten behind for centuries. And then he kind of moves on. And he said, okay, he's the sovereign God. He's powerful and strong and he can do anything. And then skip down to verse 11, very next verse. Verse 9, verse 10, now verse 11 says this. He tends his flock like a... He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. Let me I hate stopping so many times. But if you ever go to a church that's not doing it gentle and it's not carrying people, that's not the right house. Amen. That's why I love Christian Life Church. Because you don't, you're not going to come in here and get beat up. You're not going to come in here and have somebody slap you around. When the good shepherd comes, Isaiah said he's going to hold you close and gently lead you somewhere. So Isaiah said he's powerful but he's a shepherd. He's a sovereign God, but he's going to tend to his flock. I think this is so interesting that God chose to tell shepherds that the shepherd was born. God picks shepherds first to tell them that that sovereign God who would rule with mighty power, who was personal and close to us, he was also gentle and he'd come to us like a shepherd. And he would carry us and hold us close to him. Later on in his life, Jesus would say this in John 10. He would say, I'm the good shepherd. Everybody say, good shepherd. shepherd. I'm the good shepherd, he said. In other words, there are shepherds who are not good shepherds, and I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Everybody say, that's me. Come on, say, that's me. I need some help on this side of the room. Somebody right here on the front. There it is. Come here, bub. Come on, that's you. That's what you get for hollering out. Right there, right there beside you. You see those bricks right there? You see them right there? Bring all those boxes up here, bub. We're not going to arm wrestle or nothing. Bring them up and set them right here in the middle. He said, careful, bub. They're heavy. They're made out of brick, man. There you go. That's all I needed. Thank you, my friend. No, I need just all I got right there. I got a helper, don't I? I got me a helper. Here's what would happen. Listen, in, in, in the, the day that Jesus was born and the day that Jesus is sort of, the, the announcement comes to these shepherds. Here's what a shepherd would do. When, when Jesus says, I'm a good shepherd and I know, how to, I know how to lead sheep and sheep follow me. Here's what would happen. A shepherd lived outside with his sheep. I told you that. They didn't clock in and clock out. They lived in the field. And so at night, that when the sun would go down, they'd build a fire. And then they would take a whole bunch of bricks and rocks and everything they could find over there. And they would build. Come here, Pastor Reed. Hurry. I'm scared of that other guy. Get them blocks over there. (laughs) I'm kidding, buddy. Get those other blocks. Thank you. They would build. A, a, a wall, a rock wall, and they would they would take sticks that they could find and they would take big stones and big boulders and whatever they could find and they would stack them up and they would put them in a circle and they would build a sheep pen so that wh- whoever was inside of that pen was protected from wolves and bears and lions. Oh my. <laughs> now the interesting thing, listen close, the interesting thing about shepherds is You know, they're they're keeping these flocks on the hillside. They didn't have a blacksmith uh, to go to. They were living on the outside of the city. Nobody could weld them something together, okay? You couldn't just go pick up a gate or a door. So at night, a shepherd would build an enclosure out of stones, and he would leave the front open. He would leave the front open. You guys are on the front row. A couple of you guys right here. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Hurry. Yep, all of y'all right here beside you. Come up the stairs. Come up the stairs. Right here? Come on, Gloria, you're in. You'll never sit on the front row again, will you? They'd get inside of that enclosure. They'd get real close to each other. Come on, get in. Get close. Y'all bow a little bit and, and talk a little bit. He would he would round them up and they would they would be protected on the outside by all those stones and sticks that he would put together. But he didn't have a gate. So at night, when the sun goes down, the shepherd would leave an opening just in the front and that's where he would lay down and sleep. Now listen. So when a bear came up, if you're going to get to my sheep, you've got to get through me. If you're going to eat my sheep, You've got to get through me. If you're going to attack my sheep, you got to come by me. You can't, I'm just not going to let them. I'm not even going to trust the wall I built. The only thing I'm going to trust is I'm going to lay down right in front of them, and you've got to get by me. Listen to me real close. The enemy will tell you, I can get you anytime I want to. I can pick you off. I can take your family. I'll take your marriage. I'll do I'll destroy everything. Listen to me. A little later in that passage, Jesus would say this, I am the gate. Here's what he said. He said, if anything's going to get to you, it's got to get by me first. If anything's going to attack you, it's going to call over me first. If anything's going to destroy you, it's going to come by me." me. Let me give you some hope for 2016. Sickness can't get to you without getting by him. The enemy can't touch your marriage without getting by him. The enemy can't take your kids without getting by him. Listen, that's why I encourage you to stay in the pen. That's why I'm moving to Bernie to build another pen. Because I'm going to get as many people in the pen... And then I'm going to say, y'all stay there. Jesus is going to lay right in front of us. And he's going to take care of us. That's what a good shepherd does. That's what a good shepherd does. And he would lay by, 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 whatever. He would lay right in front of the door. Jesus would say, I'm the good shepherd. Then he'd say, I'm the door. Then he would say, I'm the gate. Everybody he was talking to knew just what he meant when he said, I'm the gate. I, I, I got good news for you. Nothing can get to you without going by him. He laid down his life for you. You, you ever feel like there's some gaps in your life? You, you, you ever feel like that if I could just get everything together, I got this together, but not, but not this together. I got this together, and as soon as I get that, that thing falls over. Just as soon as I get, as soon as my kids start acting right, my husband goes crazy and starts acting, wow. As soon as I get him acting right, my kids act crazy and act, and there's gaps everywhere, and here's what Jesus said I'll do. I'll lay right there in the middle of that gap, and I'll, I'll protect you. Because my sheep know me. And in the morning when the shepherd would get up, he would stand up. Now, in in, in Western culture, what we do is we have little sheep dogs and they run around those sheep and they nip at them. Or whatever they sound like. And and, and That's how they round up those sheep. But, but, But in the Middle East, it's very different. See, a shepherd just gets up and he's laid there all night. They know what he smells like. They heard him snore all night long. (laughs) They're so close that that shepherd could whisper to them and they know his. So in the morning he would get up and he'd say, come on guys, let's go. And here we go following the shepherd. And Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And when he's born, I love this, he shows up to shepherds. And he gathers you in his arms. I love this imagery. Isaiah said, He's not just a good shepherd, he doesn't, but he gathers you close to him. He gathers the weak close to him. Listen, you don't have to, one thing, another thing I love about Christian life, you don't have to be perfect to get close. He said, I'll gather the weak close to me and hold them. I'll gather the older lambs. I'll hold them. I'll keep them close to me. The broken ones, the ones that just can't walk by themselves. He said, Isaiah said that when Messiah comes, He would carry them close to Him. He would carry them close to Him. Isaiah said when Messiah comes, He's coming for imperfect people, broken people, people without all the answers, people who are messed up, people with a past, people with a story, people who with a history they don't want anybody else to know and he said when when Messiah comes he's coming with power, but he's our shepherd, and he holds us close and then and then he says this and he said not only does he hold them close but he he says he, he knows how to care for the young ones, he cares for those that that are young and weak and fall behind. He said, it's not just the broken ones, it's the young ones. It's young mothers. He said, I could care for those who just had a baby who are weak and those who are still young, I can care for them. Listen, you don't have to have served God for a long time. You can be young and he carries you through. He's the sovereign shepherd. Are you catching that? All right, let me move on. I got to hurry. So Luke 2 and 8 continues. Go back to Luke. You got your finger in Luke? Go back there. Look at it. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. And they kept their flocks at night. Now Luke's original audience, who Luke was writing to, they knew exactly what was going on. And they knew the significance of these Bethlehem shepherds. When Luke tells this audience this story, everybody that he originally told it to knew what shepherds he was talking about. They knew exactly what flock they were keeping. They knew exactly the prophecy that was attached to this. These were not just any shepherds. This is the whole crux. If you slept the the first 20 minutes, wake up because this is it, okay? Okay? Why did he show up to shepherds? Why did he show up to outcasts? Yeah, okay, maybe because he's going to be a shepherd. Okay, I get that. Well, m- maybe because he's coming for normal people. Okay, I get that. But m- Maybe he's coming for broken people who are on the outside. Okay, I get that. I think it's something more. You see, those, th- those shepherds were special. They were, they were a part of a unique group of people. And I'm going to read it to you so don't mess it up. They kept a flock that had a name. The name of that flock was Migdal Eder or the tower of the flock. That group of lambs were a special group of lambs. You see Bethlehem, listen close, is about 6 miles away from Jerusalem. It's a suburb. It's like living in Buda I'm trying to get to church tonight. It's about 6 miles away, and in between Jerusalem and Bethlehem is a hill that these shepherds are standing on one night and that flock is a special flock they're the tower of the flock you, you know what that flock was for thou those shepherds raised that flock to be slaughtered in the temple you see w- when you went to the temple there would be people who would provide for you a lamb. You could purchase a lamb to slaughter for your family that would atone for the sins of your family. Everybody had to go at Passover and slaughter a perfect lamb for the sins of your family. And for centuries, listen close, for centuries, This same family of shepherds, it was hereditary. You couldn't just become, you couldn't apply for this job. You had to be born into it. Granddaddies taught their boys who taught their boys who taught their boys how to care for this flock of lambs. Because those shepherds would look for the perfect lamb and they would separate out the perfect lambs from all the other sheep. They would keep them and and they could see Jerusalem in the distance. It's only six miles away and they were just right outside of Bethlehem. And they were keeping these flock by night. And every day they'd wake up and look for a spot or a blemish. And if a lamb had anything wrong with him, they would separate him. And only the perfect ones could go to Jerusalem to be sold, to be sacrificed. And a family would meet in Jerusalem every year. And they'd buy a lamb and they'd cut his neck. And they'd slaughter him. And they'd go to God and say, God, the only way our sins can be washed away is blood. And these shepherds kept this flock. And one night, while the shepherds were building a big wall, trying to protect them from wolves, trying to keep the bears away, fluffing their pillows up. They didn't have much, but I'll sleep on whatever I can get right here because I'm the gate. i got to sleep right in front of them. i got to get close to them. I found a few perfect ones today. I found a whole bunch who were not. I separated them. I put them in a pen. And about that time, heaven split open. And the angel of the Lord appeared. And he said, Guys, have I got good news for you. That little town just down the hill, Bethlehem, today in the city of David is born to you a Savior. The angel said, listen, 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 listen. The reason he came to the shepherds first is because they had lived their whole lives looking for the perfect lamb. And God had to tell them, You don't have to look anymore. The Lamb is here. The Lamb's here. The Lamb's here. The Lamb's here. 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 Guys, you don't have to... You don't have to get it right anymore. You don't have to look them over. You don't have to pull their... Their wool back and look for a scab. You, you don't have to. You don't have to pull their eyes and make sure they're okay. You don't have to check their teeth or their ears for mites. You don't have to look for the perfect lamb, guys. Tonight, everything that your granddaddy said would happen happened tonight. Everything that the old prophet Isaiah told us would happen happened tonight. The lamb is born just down the hill in the city. David and this is good news of great joy for everybody and this sovereign shepherd this sovereign shepherd who got hungry but he was the bread of life he got thirsty but he was the living water he got weary but he's our rest He, he, he paid his taxes but He was the King above all kings. He wept, but He wipes away all of our tears. He was sold for 30 pieces of silver, but He was slaughtered for our salvation. One night, all of heaven opened, and the thrill of hope was revealed that the Lamb had come. The Lamb. My brothers and sisters, this Christmas season is so much bigger than your tree and Toys are Us and Walmart and Black Fridays and Black Saturdays and Black Thursdays. And... My brothers and sisters, my second to final thing to tell you before I go build another sheep pen is our Lamb has come. Our hope isn't in a new president. Our hope's in the Lamb. Our hope isn't in a better job next year. Our hope's in the Lamb. Our hope isn't in a better marriage next time around. It's in the Lamb. Our hope is not in any doctor. I, I believe in all that stuff. Listen, let's participate next year. Let's vote. Let's, let, let's look for love again. Let's, let's try to get it right. Let's go to the doctor. But our hope has come. And a little baby, just down the hillside, the lamb has come. Stand to your feet all over the house. Bow your heads, let's pray. Now, Jesus, I love this house. I love the people of this house. that concludes today's message please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news to register for an upcoming event or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal and for more information from Pastor Mitch Rose please visit cityhillstx.com thank you for listening